Road to Life. We love you. We're so glad to be back together on our podcast. We're here with Pastor Mike Shepline, and we're going to hear the message from Sunday where you can be inspired through the Word of God and maybe even a funny story. For more information, visit RoadToLifeChurch.com, and we'll see you next week. Amen. What well, we have been in, and um, this is going to be technically, everybody say technically, the last week, but we've been in a series called Too Strong. And what, and, and I'm not, if you were not here for previous weeks, I would encourage you, you can go online and listen. But um, it, we've been really looking at what the, the book of Ephesians calls the armor of God or being strong in the Lord. Um, but throughout God's word, he promises to give us strength that we need and to equip us and enable us to overcome anything and everything that we face in life. And whenever I'm facing things, that's that's one of the most encouraging things I know in my life is to is to read stories in the Bible because the Bible's full of them of people that were facing things in their lives and to read stories of, of basically what happened and then equally is to reflect on what God's done in my life and my story. You know, the longer we walk with the Lord, the bigger our story gets of what he does. And so it, it, so it's just hugely encouraging. And what he's promised to do is to infuse us with what the Bible calls an inner strength into our life. But it's important that we remember that it's not automatic, but we have to partner with God. In other words, I can be a Christian and I can be going to heaven. I can even love the Lord, but not sense the strength that God has for my life because of my understanding. And I'm expecting him to just kind of do it and not realizing that it is a partnering and we walk it out together. Just by definition, it means that each and every one of us um, can, will, are going to face challenging times within our life. But God sees it as an opportunity to show himself strong and to reveal to us how much he cares about us, to reveal to us what God, what he desires to do. And what I've noticed is that when we go through a tough spot, and I look in my own life, let me ask you a question. Is anybody right? Right now in a tough spot just put your hand up just put your it's okay how many of you how many of y'all know that didn't put your hand up your tough spots coming you know what I'm saying you say why because the Bible says it it doesn't say it doesn't say if storms come it says when storms come and so we all go through but but what I've I've noticed is is that when God shows himself up in a positive way what it does is it marks our soul in a manner that we can never forget it and it's like, oh my gosh, God did something and it marked, and I'll never, it becomes my story. It becomes something that nobody can ever take from me of what he did. And so there's a lot of scripture that talk about walking in the strength that God supplies. But we've been in the context of Ephesians 6 and that what we found out is that as we begin to unpack Ephesians 6, that possibly it goes in greater detail detail 
on a personal level than any other scriptures that talk about us walking in the strength of God. And it's almost like going to the gym. How many of you like to go to the gym, but then going to the gym with a personal trainer that knows you personally really, really well? How many of you know the difference between the two? When you go to the gym, you're like, oh yeah, I could, I think I'll do that and I'll do that. But when you go with a personal trainer that knows you well, they're like, well, I know your spots. How many of you know what I'm saying? And so they're like, no, you're not going to do that one. You're going to do this one over here. And, um, and what it is, is a strength, it gets strengthened. And so the, our scripture address that we've been camped on for a while is Ephesians chapter six. And what we found is that there's six pieces of armor that are listed and each piece deals with a specific area of our lives that if, that if we don't connect that area to God, it's predictable that Satan will hit that area and he'll strategize to hit that area in order to disrupt my life. It's predictable. It is predictable. And so God comes in and he's like, I want to just talk to you about six major th areas that I need you to be open to me, to let me in and help you. But if you don't, then what will happen is it's predictable. The enemy will hit. And he says two times in Ephesians chapter six that he wants us to put on the full armor or the complete armor or all of the pieces of armor, not just one or not just two. And when you say, well, why are you saying that? Because as we unpack these pieces of armor, there are certain ones that are very comfortable to us that we're like, oh yeah, I got that down. But there's other pieces that are challenging to us. And it's like, oh, that one, I realize that I need to work on that particular area. And so I'm just going to read Ephesians 6, verse 10 through verse 18. It says, finally, or in conclusion, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. I like that. It's almost like God, him saying, this is available. It is a promise. I've got it for you. How many of you know what I'm saying? How many of you ever had a parent that said, if you do this, I will do this. And you were like, oh, I want that. I will take that. And, and so it's like, God is like, hey, Okay, and so then in verse 11, he begins, to, he begins to unpack how to be strong in the Lord. Put on the full or the complete or all the armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Notice the armor equips me to stand. It equips me to stand. You'll never outgrow standing. You'll never outgrow it. But the armor equips you to be able to stand. The New Living says like it's to stand against all the devil's schemes. The Amplified New Living say all of his strategies. A strategy is a well thought out plan. That's what the enemy does. For our struggle, verse 12, is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Verse 13, therefore, or because that's our struggle, put on the full or complete armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. 
verse 14. I'm just going to list. Um, we've already covered five. So he said, stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. That's the first one. With the breastplate of righteousness in place. That's the second one. With your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. That's the third one. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith, which can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the all the flaming arrows of the evil one. That's the fourth one. Take the helmet of salvation. That's the fifth one. And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So the first one was the belt of truth around our waist, or King James says around your loins. The second was the breastplate of righteousness. The third was my feet are fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. I'm able to live in peace. I've got peace over my life. The fourth was the shield of faith, and the fifth is the helmet of salvation. And today, we're going to unpack that statement, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Think about that statement, and I want us to just think about what he's saying. He said that I take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This is the only piece of armor that technically is offensive. All of the others are defensive. This one is offensive. I want you to, I brought something here. I, I went on a men's uh, retreat and they gave this to me. How many, of, how many of you have watched Braveheart? How many of you have seen Braveheart? How many of you know that's a godly movie? That's a godly movie. Mel Gibson, this is his sword. This is, it's, my wife's like, no, <laughs> no. But I want you to have a picture when he talks about take the sword of the spirit. This thing is like, I think this weighs about at least 10 pounds. When it's moving, it doesn't stop. It just keeps moving. And when you, if you look at this, he said, this particular piece of armor is offensive. I'm going to just set this right here. How many of you know that is like a bad sword? How many of you know what I'm saying? That is like, I said to my wife when I brought it home, I said, they trained us how to cut an apple in half off of our wife's head. And <laughs> <laughs> I said, do you trust me? You guys are terrible. How many of you would trust me? Thank you, Brad. Brad, come up here. I need some emotional encouragement. No, I'm kidding. It's, <laughs> but I brought it home and I'm like, oh, this in it. And this, this is sharp. This is sharp. I could like cut a tomato with this. Uh, this is sharp. And, um, but when you look at this, I'm just going to kind of, oh, I, like, I don't like it right there. Is when you look at this, think about this for a moment, is it's offensive. Look at the word spirit. He said the sword of the spirit. The word spirit there is a capital S. It's not a small S. If it was a small S, he would be saying it's the sword of your human spirit. But when he said it's the sword of 
the Spirit, in its capital S, he's referring to the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. If you look, this is the same Holy Spirit that hovered over the face of the deep in Genesis 1-2 when it says that it was without form and void over the face of the waters and God spoke and the Spirit, capital S, created everything that you and I seen. He's the same spirit that it tells us in 2 Timothy 3. He inspired every word in the Bible. He inspired every word that is in there. He is the same spirit that caused the Virgin Mary to conceive when she was without child. He is the same spirit that descended on Jesus like a dove. And from that moment forward, Jesus began to step into the miraculous power of God. He's the same spirit that was poured out on the day of Pentecost. He's the same spirit that came and caused us to be born again and to come alive on the inside of us. Look at the words, take the sword that the Holy Spirit wields. And then he says this, it's the word of God. He said the sword, we look at the Holy Spirit and we're like, wow. God says, I just want to let you know what he is wielding is the word of God. One translation reads it like this. The sword that the spirit wields is the word of God. It is the word of God. Think about this for a moment. Maybe I, my Bible's electronic. How many of you got electronic? I, I need to hold this up. God said that the most powerful offensive weapon that you and I have is right here. It is the most powerful offensive. You say, right now, I'm in a problem. I want to tell you, God says, I want to, I've given you the sword that the Holy Spirit, the third person, the creative force of God wields and it's the word of God. That's what he said. That's not what I said. That's what he said. And now look at what he says. He says, take it up. Take it up. Who takes it up? I take it up. God, he's given it to me, but I take it up. I take up the sword that the Holy Spirit wields when I take up the word of God as it pertains to my life and I identify with it and declare it out of my mouth in and over my life. God said, you realize that you just picked up the sword that the Holy Spirit wields in and over your life. Yeah, this is the same. This is why when Jesus was being tempted, the Bible says in Luke chapter 4, what did he say? He said, when the enemy tempted him, turn this, you know, stone to bread. He said, it is written. He declared the word. He was wielding the sword. He was wielding it. The greatest offensive taking ground, moving forward, when it doesn't look or feel like it in our life, is the word of God. Yeah, that's, right. that's what he said. It's the word of God. You know, this was about 10 years ago. 
And um, I'm a bow hunter. Don't, don't hold that against me. But I love to hunt with a bow and arrow. And I went hunting with somebody. And they, um, we, we, you know, we, there were three of us. And, um, and we went to this spot. And, and, um, and there was, uh, we, we went hunting. And we got, you know, all camoed and all descented and got all of our stuff. And then, of course, our snacks. How many of you know what I'm saying? You need snacks. And so, and then I got my Bible and we got, got all my stuff and we got out there and one of the guys that went hunting forgot his arrows. He had everything and we could see his stand and right by his stand, this buck goes walking by and we're, is he going to whack it? Is he going to, oh, it's going to go. And we watched it walk by and I'm like, what is, is he sleeping? How many of you know what I'm saying? He's like, I forgot my arrows in the car. I was like, really, sis? We can be a Christian and forget our arrows. We can love God. We can have everything down. We can have all the garb. We can be descented. We can have done everything and forget our arrows. And when we forget our arrows, we're like, God, what's going on? And he's like, I didn't say I can do that. I said, you take up the sword that the Holy Spirit wields, which is the word of God in and over your situation, your life, and what you're facing. He said, you have got to take it up. I mean, think about this for a moment. This is the only offensive weapon listed. And it's though God is saying, once you have a relationship with me, my word is more than enough for anything that you face. It's more once you have a relationship with me. And it's almost to me, there, I, I, as I reflect on this and think of verbiage and uh, some of Jesus's teachings and in other places, it just flows together. But a verbiage that's really, really similar is when uh, the disciples were observing Jesus' prayer life, the Lord's prayer, I think in Matthew chapter seven, and they came to him and they said, teach us to pray. What, why, what motivated them to do that? They saw his results. How many of you know, when you see somebody's results, you're like, teach me, I want to do that. And so they came to him and they said, teach us to pray. And so he started off, Jesus said, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as the Lord's prayer. He began, but he started, he said first with a reverence for God, but then after a reverence for God, do you remember what he said? And it's it's almost like this bold statement. He said, give us this day our daily bread. That is like bold to God. God, give me. Lord, I know you. I know that you're good. It is an assertive. It is a bold. It is almost like a confident and a stepping out. I didn't give them this scripture, but I'm just going to, you can jot it down. Hebrews 4.16 says, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we'll find his grace to help us in, in, in when we need it most. Think about that statement. How does God want us to come to him boldly? He wants us to come to him 
boldly. He wants us to come to him, in, not bold in ourselves, but confident about what he says in and over our life. And he wants us to come to him in a posture and in a position, not a passive shrinking back, but a confident stepping forward. He said for us to take the sword, which the Holy Spirit wields, which is the word of God. Ephesians 5.17 says this. It says, therefore, do not be foolish and thoughtless, but understand and firmly grasp what the will of the Lord is. Look at that statement, firmly grasp. There are times that we don't know what God's will is. I understand that. There, there are times that we have to just simply go by faith and we're trusting him to lead us. But then there are times that we can clearly see His word in his word what his will is and what he wants us to do is to take that word up and it is the sword of the spirit and begin to declare it over our life and identify our thinking, identify our expectation and identify our soul with what he has said and revealed in his word to our lives. See, realize that whenever we jump into this, because remember, this is a sword that the Holy Spirit wields in offense against the enemy. The first thing that his word should do is that you change how we think or see something to agree with God's word. It should change us where we stop and we say, okay, I realize that I've been seeing that different or I've been thinking different and Lord, I agree with your word. The second thing it should do is cause us to believe it and continually chew on it in our lives where we stop and we say, God, you said I'm not experiencing it, but I know your word is true. I believe it, and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to chew on it. Do you know that the word meditate in the Old Testament comes from the same Hebrew word that a cow would chew its cud? Have you, have you ever been around a cow? They chew it. We're going to get graphic here. Are you guys okay with graphic? They swallow it and then kick it back up and chew it again. How many of you know what I'm saying? It's like in, in what it is in our lives, the third thing is we declare it. And in, in, sometimes in our life, we got to declare it over and over and over again. We got to just, okay, God, this is what you said. I believe it. My experience says this, but I am wielding the sword that the Holy Spirit wields, which is the word of God. And I am going to continue to wield that until I see change in this area of my life. I'm going to continue. The fourth is we stand on it and we don't let it go. God doesn't want us fearful. He doesn't want us anxious. He doesn't want us passive when it comes to his will as revealed in his word. And I want to just ask you a question. If I were to come to you and were to, to, to say to you, God really doesn't love you, what would you say to me? Come on, you can get sassy here. Talk back. How much, what would you say? Honey, what would you say? God doesn't really love you. Yeah, he does. Well, why do you know? How do you know that? It says it. See, we, with those kind of scriptures, we'll look at it and we'll be like, oh, that's ridiculous. Of course God loves me. I know God loves me. How about if I were to sit, throw this out to you? Well, I don't know if Jesus' sacrifice covers your forgiveness. What would you say to me? Come 
get sassy with me. Huh? You'd be like, okay, I got to find a new church. How many of you are with me like that? Okay, the guy, the guy's like, okay, I like him, but you know, not that much. <laughs> you know, he's, he's, you, you, you'd stop. If I were to say to if I were to come to you and to say, well, you know, none of us are going to go to heaven. We're just not going to make it. How many of you, what would you say to me? <laughs> okay, come on. Who said liar? Who said that? Stick your hand up. Okay. See, I, you can get spunky with me. You can talk back when I'm asking you a question. You can just shout it right back. Brad did all, from, all the way from the back. Don't ever ride motorcycles with Brad because he will tempt you to sin and race him. He will do that. I'll get you, Brad. Uh, <laughs> let me just, <laughs> let me ask you this. Well, you know, I don't know if, if God's going to lead your life. I just don't think God, God's leading your life. What would you say to me? That's ridiculous. The Bible says he leads my life. The Bible promises that God leads my life. If I were to say to you, well, you know, I don't know that God is good. You would look at me and you would say, well, I don't know where, I don't know what Bible you're reading, but that's not the Bible I'm reading because the Bible says, surely his goodness and his mercy will follow me all the days, seven days a week, 365 days a year, year after year, decade after decade. It will, I mean, it will just lead us over and over and over again. If I were to say to you, well, Jesus isn't coming back, you would look at me and say, but the Bible talks about this. So you would immediately repudiate it. But let me just say this, maybe you're here right now and you have children that are not walking with the Lord. And, and the temptation can be, well, maybe God doesn't want to save them. Or maybe God just can't get them. You have a promise in his word that says not only will you be saved, but your entire household and your children. And so when the thought comes, you stop and you say, wait a minute, hold on. I'm whipping out the sword that the Holy Spirit wields against that attack on my brain. And in the name of Jesus, I declare this promise over that situation in my kid's life. And I'm not backing down, dumb devil. Are you with me? I'm not backing down from that. I'm not, you know, maybe you're, you know, oh, I don't know if God cares about what I'm feeling and what I'm going through. Now, wait a minute, just stop, grab hold of that thought and realize the Bible says to cast your care on the Lord, your worry on the Lord, because he cares for you. And so you stop and you say, wait a minute, that is a flipping lie. How many of you know what I'm saying? And so I'm going to whip this baby out and I'm going to declare over my life, over my situation, this is the will of God as revealed in his word. And I align my soul with what God has promised. And guess what? Yes, God not only cares, but he's leading and he's directing my life. Amen. Maybe you're here and you say, I'm dealing with physical things and whatever, whatever, whatever. We have a covenant of healing within our life. Now, I realize we have to take care of ourselves. Are you with me? But we have a covenant of healing. Maybe you're here and you're like, gosh, I'm in a really tight spot and I don't know if I'm gonna make it. Wait, hold on just a moment. Jesus said that if God takes care of the birds of the air, how much more will he take care of you? So you whip the baby out and you 
say, no, God is my provider. He takes care of me. I am not giving it. Nope, excuse me. And every time the thought comes, you whip this baby out and you just, I'm not going to swing it. Some of you look scared. Do you, some of you are like, you scare me with that. <laughs> How many of you are with me? See, God doesn't want us to be passive about the things that he has clearly promised to us in his word. He said that that is the sword that the spirit wields when you're in war in that area of your life. He said that is the sword that he wields. You know, when you think about it, why would he use the word, so, the word sword in talking about um, an offensive weapon in our life when you think about it? Because we're in a battle, and in this battle, there is one weapon that the enemy recognizes every single day, every single moment of every single day. And God said that when you whip this baby out and you begin to declare it, in and over your life, I just want to let you know, this is what Satan sees. This is what he sees. And he doesn't see you. He sees you identifying with what the Holy Spirit inspired here as your future. And the Holy Spirit, just like the Virgin Mary conceived, comes over your situation and he is at work, and he's moving. He's moving. See, that's what he sees. That's what he sees. You know, more than 10 years ago, more than 10 years ago, I was, uh, there was a newer family in the church, and they had a pretty solid family. I just watched it. I noticed they had a pretty solid family. I thought, I want to get to know the husband. And so I was like, hey, let's get together and grab coffee or whatever, whatever, whatever. And as we talked, what I realized is that his Christian worldview of seeing the world was totally defensive. It was hunker down, borderline fear, pray for the rapture. We got to get out of here. Everything's, you know, everything's going. And I'm not saying that, you know, that some of those things, but as we talked, I began to talk to him about give me one person in the Bible that you don't see facing incredible odds that is a hero to you that identified that mindset and not an offensive, we're going to take ground and overcome mindset. And I could tell when I said it, it began to register in him. See, the, when you study the Bible, what you see is predominantly the ones that followed Jesus were Jewish. Well, Jesus was the fulfillment of a prophecy given to the Jews, but included all the world. But, and there were a few times that non-Jews came to Jesus and would ask questions. And one of them was a Roman centurion. Centurion meaning he had a hundred men under his or a hundred soldiers under his command. And I want to look at something that Jesus said to him that blew everybody away. In Matthew 8, verse 5 through verse 13. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him. This is a non-Jew. Lord, my servant lies in bed paralyzed of terrible pain. 
If you look up that word servant, it could mean his child. They're, they're the same word. We don't know. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. I know this because I am under authority of my superior officers and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go or come and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. Now, what I want you to notice is this guy is a non-Jew. This guy is a Gentile. This guy wasn't raised right. This guy is part of the Roman oppression. But what he gets is he understands authority. And what he said is he said, I recognize that your authority is greater than any authority on the earth. And when you declare something, I will take it as done. It's as good as done. You don't even need to come to my house. And what I want you to notice is Jesus said, I have not seen among the Jews faith like this. He said, I've not seen anybody with faith like this. How many of you, if you were Peter, James, and Jan, you'd be like, well, what are we, chopped liver? How many of you know what I'm saying? I mean, we've been following you, Jesus, but Jesus is commending this guy. He's commending him. Verse, verse 11, and I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, the east, the west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom. Jump to 13. Then Jesus said to the Roman officer, go back home because you believed it has happened. And the young servant was healed that same hour. What's amazing to me is that, you know, we just did a... Um, Halloween outreach. It was great. I don't know, 560-something kids. And the Berrien County Sheriff's Department came to direct traffic. There was like five or six of them. You say, why is that? Because when they don't come, we have accidents. You say, why? Because people don't listen to us. How many of you know what I'm saying? And so, but what I notice is, is cars were like, in the Berrien County Sheriff's Department, pull up their car, get out, they got their uniform on, walk out in the street, and everybody goes, <laughs> I'm like, what is the difference? I was just there. They're like, run, they're gonna crush, you know what I'm saying? The difference is they recognize his authority. They recognize who backs him. They recognize if they don't do what that sheriff said, they can get a free condo over by the river over here before you go over. And it's only free the first night, then they start charging you. How many of you know what I'm saying? And I've heard the roommates aren't very good. That, that, that's what I've heard. They recognize the authority of the sheriff. What God says is he said, when you begin to recognize my authority, 
that it is over, it is in, and it is stronger than anything on this natural world. And you begin to believe it, modify your thinking to embrace it, and declare it over your life. It is the sword that the Holy Spirit wields on your offense of moving forward, taking ground, moving to the next thing that God has for your life. To me, you, as we look at this and we think about it, I wonder today, how many of us, God is saying, I need you to go on the offense. I need you to quit being on the defense. I need you to begin to rise up and I need you, you know that I'm good. I, this is the second time I felt stirred about this right now and I'm just gonna say it. You're here today and you want to get married and you're not married or you're here today and you want a child and you've not had a child and you're questioning and God is saying, don't question, you're in a battle. I'm a good God, I'm a faithful God and I'll bring that to pass. See, the enemy tries to get us to compromise. He tries to get us to compromise. And I wonder, I wonder today that God is saying to us, what promise over your life right now have you letting go of because of an outside circumstance that God is saying, I want you to pick up the sword that the Holy Spirit wields in and over your life. And I want you to begin to believe it, identify with it, declare it over your life and not back down, not back down. I believe, let's stand to our feet if we could. You're here today and God's challenging you right now where you're at. I want us to just close our eyes for a moment. And I want to be clear, I am not saying you don't love God. I'm not saying that you're not going to hell. I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying God has more than passive Christianity. He has more than defensive Christianity. God wants you to begin to go on the offense in your life with your situation. And I wanna pray for you. God, I thank you. Lord, I think this is all of us. We can get in spots where we just get a little beat down or we just wonder because we've been living with a circumstance or a situation for so long that we begin to even maybe doubt about it. But Lord, today, we identify with your word. Say that with me. Say, Lord, I identify with your word, with your promises, as it pertains to my personal life. And right now, I stand up, I pick up your word, I say, yes, it's for me. Yes, Jesus, it's for me. And I declare out of my mouth that the promises of God are yes and amen. And I wield the sword that the Holy Spirit wields 
and I declare the goodness of God into my next season in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give God a shout. Thank you, Lord. Your heart to Christ. And uh, this is about a relationship. I'm not talking about something that you do for your husband or your wife or your parents or your boyfriend or your girlfriend, but you have never come to a spot where you have just said, Jesus, I give you everything. I give you my heart. I give you my life. Realize this. There's a reason why you must give everything because what you don't give is what will totally destroy your life tomorrow. You say, why does God want everything? He gave everything to get you, and it's a mutual exchange of you giving everything to get Him. And when you give everything to get Him, you get all that He has for your life. Amen? Just with every head bowed, every eye closed, you say, you know what? I'm not where I should be, and I need to give my life to the Lord. I want to pray with you right where you're at. If that's you, on the count of three, lift your hand to the Lord. One, Two, three, lift your hand to the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Yes, thank you. Let's all pray this together. Jesus, we believe that you're God's son, that you gave your life to pay for our mistakes. And I'm asking you, forgive me of my mistakes. Come into my life. I give you my past. I invite you into my presence and I will, I will step towards you in the future. In Jesus' name, amen.